When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, joined once again by my co-beat writer at Mass Live, Chris Smith. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. This is our uh, our first pod since the beginning of the season. The Red Sox are a week in, 4-3 and three record as we sit here on a Friday off day. And uh, what a week it has been. Three losses to the Orioles over the weekend at Fenway. And then they come back uh, against all odds and they sweep the Rays. The as Alex Gore has said about fifteen times, the defending American League champion Rays. Well, that's only sweep. because that's only because Johnny like fed it to him like fifty times. That's true. Go yes. on. <laughs> and uh, and then they come out. Eduardo Rodriguez makes his triumphant return yesterday, and uh, they beat the Orioles to to win that first game of the series. Today's an off day. They sit here with a four game win streak. They sit here uh, with a four and three record. And I think they sit here with uh, more hope, a lot more hope than definitely Sunday afternoon, but even more hope than we had a week ago at the beginning of the season. And uh, I'll start with uh, with your take that you texted me in the middle of the game yesterday. So that this team is actually, uh, I don't know how you phrased it, but really good or pretty good. No, or- I didn't say really. I think this pretty team's good. Good. Is there good? I mean, better, I always thought that they were. I mean, I, I had them, what, down in your preview for uh, in your column for 85 wins, but yeah. I said on that podcast, I don't know if it was yours or another one. I, I've done a couple of these with other people, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's good for the brand. <laughs> um, you know, I said it wouldn't surprise me if they were just like, you know, and everybody has been using the term sneaky good, but if they, yeah. you know, they're sneaky good. I didn't put it in those terms, but they're sneaky good and they, they come away with, you know, 90 wins. I think they're going to be challenging for one of the wildcard spots the whole year. You know, they're going to be in that in contention for it. Um, I think the one thing that we saw that, you know, we've talked about over and over on this podcast and, you know, everywhere that we've, that Heim Bloom really added to the depth of the roster. Uh, it's a way deeper roster than it was last year. Uh, you know, as we said a million times, Ryan Weber was the number three starter last year. Now he's not even on the 40 man roster. You look at how that came into effect uh, over the first six games of the season. They've only gotten one bad start. After the first six games of the 2020 season, how many bad starts do they have? Five? Five, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, Avaldi, I think, pitched pretty well in the opener that year. But, uh, you know, so um, it's, you know, it's interesting. We're going to see how Garrett Richards throws. What is he throwing Saturday? Saturday night, yep. He's the only one that had a bad start in that. And, And then you see other guys like, you know, Whitlock, who's, you know, emerged as a rule five guy. And I think the, yeah, the we'll Red Sox. Okay. Go on. You can go. I, no, I was I just, I was he's, he's one of the guys we're going to talk about, but okay. I, you know what? That was the starting rotations where I wanted to start because that is yeah. where I've always said, like, this is where this team, you know, this team's potential starts and ends with, with this group. Um, and you're right. Evaldi was great. You know, Rodriguez got the win. Uh, he wasn't, 
as sharp as he has been at times in his career, but for, for what it was his first start in, you know, 575 days or whatever, they'll definitely take it. And it was about more than just his performance, obviously yesterday in Baltimore, uh, Pavetta was really good. Perez kept him in the game and, and as, as his, his job to do, um, and Richards was the one guy that struggled. Tanner Houck was really good in his outing. And so, um, you know, it just shows you that you've seen, you know, these guys, even with Rodriguez starting the year on the injured list and Chris Sale not part of this group, like, all right, maybe they're all right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and it's interesting when you say Chris Sale's name, because that's like, you know, if they do get him back and they have this rotation that they have, you know, that's a, that's a huge addition near, you know, potentially near the trade deadline. However, he's only throwing 125 feet as Cora told right. you the other day. And so be later we'll see. the trade deadline, I'd guess. Yes. So I'm not as optimistic about Chris Sale. Uh, you know, and he's coming back, you know, by August 1st or whatever. But the rest of the rotation looks good. Perez is that type of guy that, you know, he's a number five guy that, you know, he's gonna battle and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna keep you in games. And and so I really like the the rotation. Um, you know, it's just kind of going forward, staying healthy. And, you know, there's obviously those question marks with, you know, Evaldi and um, his ability to stay healthy. And uh, Richards hasn't pitched more than, you know, 70 innings or something in the past four or five years. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's healthy um, and he should be healthy, you know, there are durability concerns. And, you know, and so that, you know, and then Erod, I mean, you know, he had the dead arm to begin the year. So, so there are, but, you know, but you look at it and they do have that depth. Um, you know, they have Hauk who had, a, you know, another great start, four starts in a row to start the season, three last year, one this year. Now he's at the alternate side as, a, as their top starting depth option, if Evaldi, you know, were to get hurt or, or something would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Andres. Is it Andresi or Andres? It's Andres. Andres. But uh, a lot of people, people have been saying it a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Matt Andres. You want to read about it. want to read about Matt Andres, a big feature on him and his brother, the emergency room nurse, uh, as my Friday notes call him today. But continue after the shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, and then you know I don't know if they're going to let Whitlock, you know, do some spot starts this year, but I mean they should. Uh, you know, he's he looks like a, a guy that potentially could be in their rotation in 2021 and beyond. Is is really you know impressive, uh, you know, uh, guy. So. Um, and then, you know, you look at, as a, you know, Connor Siebel's too in, in the, in the minor leagues and, you know, mm-hmm. has the potential to help out the rotation of some of these guys. So you have some different guys to plug in there. If, if you have an injury or two down, down the road, I think the big story other than, you know, rattling off four wins, there's been a lot of big stories actually rattling off four wins Eduardo Rodriguez coming back. But I think the one that's really captivating at least Red Sox Twitter. And the thing that Red Sox fans are really pissed about is that Tanner Houck decision. He comes up, and I. that's kind of the question that I asked Cora the other day. I said, you know, what do you tell somebody who has checked every box in his four major league starts? He's, you know, he won the first three, pitched well the other day in a loss uh, against Baltimore. Um, you know, he looks nasty on the mound. He looks like, at times, their best starter. What do you tell a guy when you're sending him down? Like, what more could he have done? And Alex, he didn't get into the specifics too, too much, but he said, you know, it depends on what you mean by checking all the boxes in our mind. He hasn't, as we've talked about a lot in the past, you know, his splitter is a pitch that he needs to keep, keep working on the attack plan against lefties, but it seems like there's even more. And and the Red Sox just feel like at this time, 
the five guys they have in the rotation above him are better options. And uh, so, so I understand, you know, people getting upset about how being so good in his first few starts and getting sent down. If it's not something that he necessarily deserves, you know, to put it that way, but who are you going to send out? And I think people think the answer to that question is Garrett Richards. I would say that if you guarantee a guy $10 million, give him more than two innings uh, to see if he can, he can, he can prove himself. Um, but you know, it, it really would be, if you think about it, if all these guaranteed in the rotation, Rodriguez is guaranteed in the rotation. You just signed Perez and Richards to guarantee deals and they want to see what they have in Pavetta who's out of options before how it comes up. So, um, yeah, anything mean, no, to- no, no starting pitching, no starting pitcher would ever sign with, you know, the Red Sox again, if they, if they, yeah, you know, exactly took Garrett Richards out of the rotation after, you know, two innings. Yes. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> even to think that he's going to be out of the rotation by the end of April is a stretch. I mean, if he does that five times, I mean, maybe he's in the bullpen, but um, you know, the, these guys, the, he's an established major league starter. I know there's question marks. I know there's red flags. I know there's an injury history, but um, I think a little bit more patience on the Garrett Richards front would be good. I know that's hard when Tanner Houck pitched as well as he could, but um, wh- why do you, what do you think, you know, beyond the obvious, the splitter, the attack plan against lefties, uh, why do you think he's in Worcester right now? Yeah. So I, I think that, that is the obvious, but I think that there, you know, you can go beyond that too. I mean, look at Hauk is a guy that pitched out of the bullpen in Pawtucket for a lot of, for much of the second half of the 2019 season, because the Red Sox, they converted him him and Darwinson, right? Yeah. And the Red Sox were looking at him as like, okay, that, you know, he could potentially help out the 2019 Red Sox bullpen. It never happened, but his inning count, wasn't huge in 2019 last year he pitches he makes some starts at the alternate training site he makes three starts you know in boston um but you know i mean how many innings did he pitch last year and they talk about like at the alternate site it's not really as high stress like major league innings you know and and so maybe he pitched like 50 innings combined last year so you're you're asking a guy that you know pitched half of that 2019 out of the bullpen or so number 119 in 2018 107 and two-thirds in 2019 and then obviously 17 innings in the majors last year so he's never gone past 120. So, so are they expecting him like the people that say oh he should be in the the rotation and start every every five days well great but then if he keeps doing what he's doing right now and he's going you know five six seven innings every start and throwing you know throwing his you know i mean throwing 94 94 whatever he was throwing the other day he's they're going to shut him down in august because he's out there his inning count yeah. is going to be too mm-hmm. high right I, mean, so I i just that's that's right there is, is something i think a lot of people are missing yeah and and besides they have the luxury because they have the depth pieces you know how it's it's it is tough. I, I do understand that you know performance when, when a guy looks that good consistently, and it's not a one start fluke. It's now four 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 uh, times that he's done it. But um, with the way the rotation set up, the, to me, it said a lot that they didn't even consider him for the opening day rotation during spring training. Like from the beginning, it was like we thought it would be Hauk versus Pavetta for the fifth, and it was just well, Nick's pretty much in the rotation, and Hauk's going to be in the minors, and that's how it always looked. Yeah, and I think that. You know, Pavetta is a guy that's got oodles of, you know, potential and he showed the potential in two starts with the Red Sox last year. And, you know, and, and he showed again this this start 
the first start of this year. You know, like he's he throws hard, and when he doesn't command the fastball, he's still you know he's still able to get guys out. Mm-hmm. He was you know he's got everybody talks about the spin on his curveball, but his slider he threw his slider a ton. And that's been something that they've wanted him to do. And he's wanted to do is throw the slider a little bit more. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, and and I think that when, when I say like how, you know, if, if he's on a five day rotation and, you know, he pitches six, six innings every time and he's a, you know, so many innings, I'm not saying he's going to be, he's, he's not, he's going to get hurt in August. And that's why they would shut him down. They're going to shut him down because they don't want him to go over that, uh, they wouldn't want him to go over so many innings that he had in the previous seasons, you know, mm-hmm. like I, there has to be a limit there to his inning count um, to his inning counts, because he is a, you know, he's a young guy that's obviously showed a lot of potential and he's a guy that they're going to protect. Yeah. And that, that, you know, 24, almost 25, he's a guy that is a big part of the future of the, of the team and the rotation move on to another a couple other guys. Um, you know, I think, it would be harder to start out the season hotter than JD Martinez and Christian Vasquez have, you know, Vasquez a little bit surprising to me just because he missed the last week of spring training after getting hit in the eye. But I think the real big story is, is JD Martinez. I mean, what he's been able to do, uh, you know, I know it might be playing into a lazy narrative a little bit, but that chip on his shoulder wanting to come back and show people what he can do. I mean, he's 13 for 30, seven doubles, two homers, uh, his OPS is uh, both him and Vasquez are OPS are, are over uh, 1300 at this point, but just to, to, to see what JD has been able to do. I know it's a small sample size. I know it's a week, but um, either we all really, really, really uh, undervalued the uh, in-game video or he's uh, he's back in a big way. I think it's, I think it's both. I think the in-game video helps, you know, he can make an adjustment. If he sees something, he can go down and look at his swing, you know, he can see and then adjust it for the second bat instead of doing the same, you know, the same thing he did wrong, you know, the first at bat in the in the second, third and fourth at bat, and then have to fix it the next day. And then maybe something happens in the first at bat the next day and he doesn't know. And after he made that adjustment. So I, I think it has to do with the video somewhat, obviously, but I think that, you know, he admitted it. He wasn't prepared for last season to start. He he only began training, uh, you know, hitting in the cage like, you know, a month before. So he, he took like two months, two and a half months off during the pandemic and, uh, you know, didn't do the, didn't hit. And so um, I think there's a combination of factors. His, his season right now is is reminding me a little like the start of it. I'm not saying that he's going to have as good a season as, as, David Ortiz had in 2016 his final year, but like mm. D- David Ortiz led the league in doubles, like his final year as a as a 40 year old or whatever he was, 40, yeah. 41, and it was like no one thought he could do that. Well, no one really thinks JD Martinez can do it after his small sample size of two months where he wasn't good last year, and he's come out and had like a what a double in every game or something. Yeah, extra, if, ridiculous. One of, like, one of like five or six guys ever to have an extra base hit and. In uh, seven straight games to start the year, I think. And he's a guy that, um, you know, is a guy that can be affected too in, in the early going in terms of power because, you know, of the cold weather and everything. We, mm-hmm. we saw him in his 2018 season, which is really good. You look at a lot of his numbers in, in, uh, in April that month. I think he hit for a good average. He hit for a good OBP or he had a good OBP, but his slugging wasn't as. It definitely wasn't as where it was the rest of the season in April. 
uh, when it was, where it was in April, the rest of the season. So, you know, I look at him as like, you know, the, this is really positive that he's, you know, hitting the ball for some power here at the beginning of the year in the cold. And, you know, I mean, we could see a big gear for him. Yeah, definitely. I think it's been super impressive. Vasquez, again, also on a tear, really clutched homer the other night, um, you know, getting multiple hits a day. So that's encouraging. And, and you know, even a couple of the guys that uh, have been struggling, Devers is still hitting under 200. So is Kike Hernandez, but they both homered yesterday. Uh, you know, Bogarts has been fine. A couple of guys I did want to talk about, Bobby, Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, this has not been a good start after the crazy spring he had. I know he got hurt. I know he had a little finger injury there at the end of camp, but so far, looking at the line on on Dahlbeck, he is two for eighteen with seven strikeouts, one walk. Um, he kind of looks lost at the plate at times. And then another guy that I think is really flying under the radar that's been impressive to me on both sides of the ball. There's been a lot of storylines, so this guy has not been talked about. Franchi Cordero in in his first few games as a member of the Red Sox already has a couple doubles. He's hitting three thirteen early on. What, had what that is great he play got against five the, the wall. Does he have uh, five hits and like 16 yeah. at-bats? Five for 16, yep. And and look at it, I just did that off the top of my head. How yeah, about that? Yeah, good guess. Right, <laughs> and, are, you, uh, are you looking at it? No, I really, I swear I was not wow. looking at it. Yeah, the only, reason, the only reason I know that is because I was looking at, you know, former Red Sox stats today and I looked at, um, I, I looked at Andrew Benetton and I was like, Oh, he's gotten five, he's five for twenty-five. I was like, Frenchie Cordero has to have at least five or more hits. And so I looked at it and yeah, I just remember the sixteen. And so um, yeah, he's been really good. I, I've been really impressed by him defensively too. Uh he's a guy that um, you know, that they talked a lot about in spring training is you know the importance of staying healthy and you know, they set down a plan and everything on how to keep him healthy with the training staff and him went and he went over it. So um yeah, and in terms of Dahlback, you know, struggling at the beginning of the year here, he just needs to, you know, he just needs to slow it down and calm it down and, you know, just have fun. Um, he's a good hitter. Uh, you know, I, I've said it many times about Dahlback. That'll be, that'll, be the, that'll be the promo card for this episode. Bobby Dahlback is a good hitter, says Chris Smith. <laughs> well, he's a better hitter than me. Uh, That's true. But, but not, anyway. Actually, not so far this season, but in, historically. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, so I look at him as, as a guy that, you know, a lot of people look at his strikeouts and they're high and everything, but I followed this guy throughout, you know, the Myers and the strikeout rates have gone down. Uh, not only from, you know, single A to double A to triple A, but, you know, during the year. And so he's a guy that has the ability to control the strike zone. I wouldn't, uh, even though he strikes out a lot, he has a good eye for the strike zone. And so I wouldn't say that, you know, this is, anything to be super concerned about i'm sure that it didn't help that he didn't play a few games at the end of there it's in just spring training because of the finger injury mm-hmm. and he's another guy that could be affected by the cold here you know i i, I hate to blame it on the cold but have you ever hit in the cold yeah, <laughs> no I can't, I can't even I write in the cold rather, with the press box windows <laughs> open i would way rather pitch in the cold like uh cold is is you know it, it benefits the pitchers a lot more than the hitters and that and that's another really like with Devers, you know, I said yeah. to, I said to um, my wife the other day, she's like, wow, Devers is off to a really bad start. And I said, well, he, he likes to hit in, in warmer weather. And then he goes to Baltimore and he hits a home run. And what yeah, was it? Like there? 70 like degrees 70? there. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, I, I think there is something that has, there is something to be said about hitting in the, in the cold weather. Plus 
some of those balls died big time. You know, like yeah. Bobby Dalbeck hit one that they could have probably gone out. It well, the, the entirety of the Nesson crew in Watertown thought it was uh, <laughs> going to hit their building. So. That was a long. That was a long shot. If you just watched it on Nesson. Yeah, five fifty. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, you know, talking about Devers yesterday was encouraging. The last couple of days have been encouraging. So it seems like he's he's on the verge of breaking out. But this it goes to show you. I mean, these obviously the bats were quiet the first three days, but the last few days, you know, some guys a lot of guys still under 200 and they've been able to, you know, have, have a couple big offensive games against Tampa there um, and win four in a row. So that, that tells you a lot about kind of the depth of the lineup. The bullpen to me has always been maybe an underrated piece of this team. Josh Taylor looks uh, really bad. I know he's a guy that you've, you've really liked in the past, but to me, uh, there are some warning signs there. I know Darwinson's really struggled with control. I think he has like four walks and in two innings, which is, is nothing new, but still um, a little bit scary there. But but generally, you take away those two guys, what you've seen, very encouraging from the bullpen, and that starts and ends with Matt Barnes. Yesterday, almost an immaculate inning, uh, four scoreless innings, four hitless innings, nine strikeouts in that time, I think only one base runner. He's just been lights out. I think his velocity's up. Alex Gore talked about that yesterday. Um, I was actually on the Ottavino for closer train for all of spring training and thought, you know, for, I always, and I've said on here, if you thought Matt Barnes was good enough to be your closer, you would have said that at the beginning of camp. Why do you need to see what Ottavino could do? But now the way he's throwing the ball, he looks better than at any time I, I can remember since I've been covering the team. And um, that's a good sign too. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's correct. I've never seen uh, Barnes look this good. However, like just dominant, you know, like he's flashed dominant. it. He's flashed it, but never like this. However, yes. So I have seen flashes, and there have been, you know, hiccups after those flashes. And so I, I think that, you know, it's just free agency here, too. He wants to get paid, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he saw what so, happened to Brandon Workman. He cost himself about 50 million with a bad 2020. Yeah. So um, this is a guy that has all the incentive in the world to pitch well this year. Um, because he's going to make a lot of money if he does. And, you know, the, as I've said many a times, the ERA is a lot worse in the second half in his career than it is the first half. Um, so what they have to do is really not overpitch him. You know, I mean, they've got to really be careful with him. And But he's looked awesome. Um, Whitlock's another guy, and I've, I said yeah, it. Right. You've been teasing the Garrett Whitlock part of the program four times, so we'll, we'll get into it now. That. that Whitlock mania has taken over in New England. Well, when we first talked to Gus Quattlebaum after they, after they, um, you know, after they acquired or picked him up in the Rule Five draft, drafted him in the Rule Five draft, Gus was like, you know, the thing with him is, is that he, you know, he induces a lot of ground balls. His sinker's really good, and we think that, you know, is what Gus said. We think that. You know, if we put the sh if we shift the right way, that he can be very effective. Well, yeah, I, I don't. I think if they don't shift the right way, they could be. I, I don't think they thought they were going to yeah, have they, this kind they, of pitcher. <laughs> they, uh, they can shift whoever they want if he's striking guys out like this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you look at him, and it's like it sounded even in that spot where you, you know a guy that you can get a ground ball if you need it. They they were looking at. It, they were thinking like you know maybe like if he's if he can you know if he possibly could do a high leverage spot with a you know a, a ground ball here and there if we need it right now he's he should be legit in the mix for you know give him two innings like he did 
on Thursday or was it mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, you know, yeah, two Thursday. innings bridge the gap right to, you know, Matt Barnes and Adam Adovito, the, the later guys. And, um, you know, I mean, he deserves that role. He shouldn't be pitching in, you know, 10 nothing games like he did the first time. And you talk about with Hauk, just an innings limit. I mean, they're going to be even more careful with this guy. You know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, obviously he's looked amazing and he has, he didn't give up a, I don't think he gave up a run in spring training. He was excellent then. He's been excellent so far. He's been really kind of exceeded their expectations, but Still, this is a guy coming off Tommy John surgery, a guy who wasn't even at an alternate site last year. He was still rehabbing. Um, and before that, you go back to thinking of just his 2019, he was at double A and he had 70 innings the year before he had 120. So, um, you know, he's already at five and a third through his first two outings here in the first week. Remember that he's thrown 70 innings since the end of the 2018 season. So I think they're going to be careful. They're going to be cautious. Obviously he has to be on the roster all year. Cause it looks like there, uh, there's no way they want to lose this guy, obviously, but um, it's still, you know, very as careful as they possibly can be, I think. Yeah. And so that's why I, I, I question and I actually asked um, Dave uh, Bush this, um, you know, like it, is there a possibility that he's one of the depth stars? You know, is he, is he, you know, a guy that they would go to if, if somebody gets hurt and that's still up in the air, I think for them, I think that, you know, because of that innings, they're, they're definitely having innings cap on him and uh, you know, they, they want, they don't want to overwork him. So while they're going to give him some multiple inning games, obviously that's going to be his type of role, like that two inning stint thing he had, mm-hmm first game what was it like three three and a three third, third or something yeah yeah and, but that was just to get your feet wet mop up duty exactly and so, but, debut. exactly so um i think that you know that's more of what they want to do with him at the most than to you know give him five six and a start i i just don't feel like they they're gonna do it this year that they haven't talked about it i mean they haven't talked to us like that's an idea that they really have so yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I like Garrett Whitlock as much as anybody friend of the program, encourage anybody to check out the previous episode much better than any time we've had Smith on, but um, I do still want to caution that all five and a third of these innings have come against the Orioles. That is the only devil's advocate thing that we could say. Yes. But I mean, look at the Orioles are the team that beat them three times to begin the year. And, 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 um, you know, you, you can say that, but the velocities look really good. Um, Pitch, I think he's been on Pitching Ninja a few times. He might be the first Rule 5 pick ever to be on the Pitching Ninja yeah. account. And um, I didn't know this until I watched Nesson the other day. I completely forgot this. Lenny Donato was a Rule 5 guy that the Red Sox had. And Lenny Donato was like, yeah, this guy is way better Rule 5 draft guy than I was. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, the changeup is something that, and I think Bradford wrote about it. So give him credit. Um, Pass. You know. Yeah. Uh, he went to Matt Andrees and, and talked to Matt Andrees about the changeup and, you know, Matt Andrees really showed him how to throw the changeup and, and Blooms, you know, said to me the other day, he was like, you know, this wasn't something that the Red Sox expected, you know, is that he'd have this good of a changeup. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that's been a pitch that is come out of really like nowhere to become a plus pitch since he's been in the Red Sox organization with the help of Manny Drew. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting right there. So, and it shows you that, you know, he should be able to do it against better competition. Right. 
No, I agree with you. It's, uh, and he's got that, the that, personality, right, to do it. Like, yeah. it's not like he's like uh, he's a nervous guy, and he's he's about as low key as it gets in a good way. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, it's a general question, but uh, the question is, what have you learned about the Red Sox in the first week of the season? I have a few things that I'm going to say first. Number one, I do believe in this rotation. Uh, I've been saying all along there's potential. Uh, you know, obviously, you know. Things it's gonna get get early or gonna get late quick, whatever the phrase is for uh, Garrett Richards with Tanner Hauke. I do think that you know he he has to show something at least in the first few starts. Um, and to me, a big takeaway about this team that I, I I knew it all along and I knew it was gonna happen. It's just weird seeing it in the lineup every day. Is that Marwin Gonzalez is playing a lot, a lot, a lot of innings. Like he's an he everyday is. player, which at every different position, which I know is the role and I get it, but um, you know, at some point, if he doesn't produce that's, that that's going to be a glaring hole in the lineup, in my opinion. So that's just two, two kind of random takes there. Um, interested to, to see what you, what your big takeaways have been. Yeah. I think that uh, the, the thing that I would do if I was core was, you know, get Kike out of the top spot. I think that the lineup would look really good with Verdugo who's looked good to start the year you know, getting some extra base hits. I think he should be the number one hitter followed by, you know, either Bogarts or Devers. I know that he likes to hit Bogarts after JD. So, you know, throw it yeah. Devers, you know, Devers, JD, and then Bogarts. And I would put Vasquez fifth. Um, you know, it's funny that they talk about like last year, oh, he wasn't as good in 2020 as he was in 2019, Vasquez. Well, he actually had a higher OPS last year. Right. Barely. Two months Barely. It was like two points, but still. Yeah, count, count. Um, so, so, I mean, you know, you look at everybody was impressed by that 2019 year and, you know, he, he matched it last year in the, in the small sample size that they had. And so um, I look at it as I'm like, I was thinking about it today and I was like, if you look at it, Kike in the top spot is like asking Brock Holt to be in the top spot, like in the 2017, 2018 Red Sox, right? He's a good hitter. And he's just, you know, he can play all these positions. He's just, it's just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work, I don't think. And so, um, you know, I think that that's something that they'll change. And I think that their offense can be really good, you know, if they just make that adjustment. I'm not saying that I don't like Kike as a player. I think he's been great in, in the outfield defensively. I think he can hit. I just don't think he's a leadoff hitter. And so I would make that adjustment. As you said, the, the starting rotation has been really impressive so far. And that's, you know, one of my biggest takeaways. And I think that the, the bullpen's very underrated, as you said, as well. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of good arms. And, you know, the important thing is getting Darnson and Hernandez, too, and, and Josh Taylor on track. The uh, the Red Sox coming out of the gate, screwing up the leadoff hitter versus number two hitter thing is now going to be a time-honored tradition because if, <laughs> if, if, if they do make that, switch which you think they're going to it is going to be the third straight year that has happened remember uh ben attendee switching with mookie in 2019 last year ben attendee again switching with verdugo and now you're arguing uh for it for a third straight year but I i'm with you there i think it makes some sense well go, go ahead. but also yeah so like the you know the, the thing now is and, and people will say different things like they'll say okay put your best hitters at the top you know you load them up like put best hitters one two three four um, some people say though, now that the best hitter should be number two, the, the best hitter with power should be number four. So in that, in that instance, maybe Devers 
you know, Martinez, but Martinez has looked comfortable in the third spot. He's on mm-hmm. a roll. Keep him there. You know, even if he comes up in the first inning with two outs and nobody on, you know, I understand that you don't, you don't want him in there at that situation, but he's looked good at third. He's comfortable there. He's comfortable in the third position. Um, but Verdugo isn't the best hitter on the team. He is a very good hitter, but yeah. he's not the best hitter on the team. And that's where that second spot, you know, is right. usually like we see Mike Trout in the second spot. And, you know, Aaron Judge, that was a very good hitter, obviously, for the Yankees, was in the se- Another you know, second Another bold spot. take. <laughs> um, and so, oh, yeah, very good hitter, Aaron Judge. But anyway, yeah. um, in hurt or maybe hurt again. But anyway, right. um you know, so I would I would put you know Verdugo to me is is more of a, a one or a three or a five. So I would put him one, and I would you know either put Bogarts and or you know Bogarts or Devers is your Bogarts Devers Martinez is one of your best hitters, and Martinez needs to stay at the third spot because he's just been comfortable there. And why why mess with anything? So either one of those two, put them in in the second spot and then get rolling. I, uh, I'll end it with this. This is one absurd stat. I know there's been a few, you know, Marwin starting, being the first guy to ever start four different places, JD, with that extra base hit stat. But this stat that I looked up the other day while writing about Christian Vasquez after he said he was feeling sexy at the plate is uh, pretty absurd. And so uh, Christian Vasquez hit 10 homers in his first 291 big league games from 2014 to 2018. 10. He's now hit 32 in his last 191 games since the beginning of 2019. That's just, that's pretty absurd. He's a good, um, he's a good defensive catcher. What we thought he was going to be was a great defensive catcher who didn't have enough to hit, you know, and play every day. Now, you know, as, as Cora said, you know, there's a lot of good Puerto Rican catchers and, you know, he wants to win a gold glove because there's a bunch of Puerto Rican guys that have won gold gloves but there's better defensive catchers than him right now. And there might not be a better offensive catcher than him right now. He might get a silver slugger instead of a, instead of a, he might get a silver slugger before he gets a gold glove. Just what everybody expected on Christian Vasquez there. But <laughs> so that's, that's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cattell. That's our impressions of week one. Uh, but uh, as always taken with a grain of salt in the words of Alex Cora and every other person who's ever worked in baseball, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint long way to go. Red Sox back in action over the weekend in Baltimore. They then go to Minnesota and come home for a long homestand. We'll have it all covered for you on Mass Life.